0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael Pincus and andre prue
1: hello michael andre what are you doing
0: i am staring down the barrel of two wines from a winery that you and i i mean among many have been quite critical of over the past 12 months and as we slide into the end of 2022 one thing we told the listeners we were going to do this year, we did not, and that was put a passamento on trial. Oh, there's me burying the lead.
1: But uh, on the other hand, Andre, I, I would like to point out that uh, we we threw the gauntlet down, and uh, we did do uh, a few. Uh, I think we did a stump the chump with uh, Sue Ann's staff, mm-hmm. uh, and that we had one a passamento wine there from uh, from uh, Rennie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was 10 years old and was terrible, absolutely a terrible bottle of wine.
0: Okay, you didn't um, have to say terrible twice, but g- go on. But it
1: was. It was it was two times terrible.
0: Okay. Uh, and
1: because there were three of us drinking it, it was actually three times terrible. Uh, but that all said, uh, we have done uh, a few wines uh, uh, within each other's houses that were uh, of a passamento, but we didn't record them. But nobody really took us up on the on uh, I mean, the um trial Until
0: well, And we th- So you and I, we both got a, a pitch from a, a publicist and announcing some awards that uh, the Foreign Affair, there we go, that's who we're speaking with, the Foreign Affair won for their 2019 Apologetic Red, their 2020 Dream, um, and we decided to, to reach out to them to see if they'd be kind enough to uh, offer up some... Foreign Affair people as tribute and uh I think they've sent their front line. We've got uh Ed Haddon and Renee. Renee, I forget your last name.
2: Renee Van Eve.
0: Renee is
3: his last name. And uh thanks uh thanks for uh uh letting us talk about wine. Well thank you. So
1: we've got the quarterback and we've got the
3: running back. Is that who we got? Sure. I'm going to call him the quarterback, though. (laughs) (laughs) I used to play tight end, but that was when I had a tight end, so.
0: Mm. Oh, that's very funny. Well, I guess before we get into, I guess, maybe some of the more nitty gritty, uh, let's talk a little bit about the two wines we have in front of us. Uh, What exactly were the awards that these wines won?
3: Uh, This was at the annual tasting uh, held in Montreal, the uh, annual, forgive I have terrible French, uh, uh, but the, the, large tasting, the grand, the, 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 I can't pronounce it. Uh, anyway, tasting? This, yeah, there you go. Something like that. <laughs> they, uh, they do an annual, uh, uh, well, no, actually, this is the first time in three years because of COVID. Um, but they get together and you can submit your wines as any other award show does. And, uh, both of these wines won gold, uh, which was nice, uh, for us. So. Oh, right on. Got it. Yeah. And these are, uh, um, the 2020 dream is the first one that uh, Renee has taken from grape to glass. Uh, the 2019 uh, Renee uh, 2019 apologetic Renee blended from material that was already in the winery, um, so it's a good example of, I think, what the direction of the winery is going to be moving forward. Uh,
0: yeah, and I guess maybe ju- I guess just for some clar- clarification, Renee, because I know you as the the vineyard manager, I've I've walked the vineyards with you i remember doing that last summer before everything went to hell how beautiful the pinot noir looked uh in august before the rain came uh so you you are the winemaker for the foreign affair now
2: yeah it's it's a big hat we do you know (laughs) winery winemaker and vineyard uh, it all comes up under one uh really like you know it's it goes back to some of my previous previous life and previous dealing with grapes. Is like it's got to start out there in the vineyard and bring it back, bring it home, in the winery. So maybe we should start uh, with with uh,
1: uh, Renee. Uh, and Renee, why don't you give us a little bit about your uh, your CV? And Ed will then uh, throw it over to you. You tell us your CV as well, so that people just don't think we grabbed you guys off the street somewhere to talk wine.
2: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, well, I'm originally from Australia. You might tell that from my accent. Uh, oh, what was that Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were just
1: chewing something funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I got on the wrong plane and ended up in Canada. Um, I was meant for the US. No, I, I joke. Um, I landed in uh, Canada in 2006. Uh, I worked at TARS at the time. We were a very small winery around actually the, about the same size as foreign is now. Um, so I worked with Tars and Redstone uh, for many, many years until 2020 uh, when I joined the Foreign Affair team. And so 2020 year, everyone remembers it for many things, but I remember it for moving to a great team and moving to and uh, making some great wine. Yeah, we got, uh, we got lucky in
3: 2020. If he was going to start a new winery, that's the vintage in Niagara that you want start, to uh, start a new sist- uh, a year with. Um, my name's Ed. I'm the uh, senior sommelier. At Foreign affair, which is a, a polite way of saying old drunk <laughs> um, i uh, I have been in the wine business now in pushing thirty years. Uh, I've been in Niagara seventeen of those years, eighteen of those years, I guess uh, now um, and uh, i I also wear many different hats at the winery When necessary. I help uh, Renee with the simple things like sweeping the floor. Um, and, uh, the rest of my time I'm spent, uh, talking to folks like you guys and talking about the wine.
0: Now, it's interesting that you've gone from Taz to the foreign affair, Rene, just because philosophically the winemaking on the surface seems very different. Like Taz, they do gravity flow. I think the focus there, at least in the eyes of most consumers is the Burgundian varieties uh very well known for their chardonnay the um what is it robin's block that seems to be everybody's favorite year in and year out and uh you've gone to the other side where you're now working with uh passamento which is uh, i guess a little bit more thank
3: you for not saying gone to the dark side no not at all (laughs) i could tell
0: it was on your tip of your tongue
2: (laughs) it's the big red side then i guess Yeah. yeah um i guess when we were bantering earlier actually in our technical uh, setup we're talking about the harvest and you know like we're going through the harvest pinot and shard you know that's what teaches you about you know the vineyards niagara the difficulties the the fragility of the grape and the vineyards you know you know our cabs are a little more solid than that but they still have the same uh same growing season they still have the same needs you still have to pick them at the right time you still have to crop them at the right levels. It, there's there's much that travels over with wine. Um, I definitely have brought with me that sense of place uh, about Chardonnay, Pinot. It, it definitely transfers into Cab Franc. I am a firm believer of those things. Uh, Cab Franc, Merlot, Terroir. Terroir is true.
3: <laughs> and uh, I, I'm going to point out that we are, we are now uh, Len and Marissa uh, uh, Crispino, uh, we're the founders of the winery, of course, um, but five years ago, they were looking to retire. And um, uh, so uh, Corby Canada purchased us. And it's really been a, a, an actually a very good ride. I used to work for another small winery in the region that was purchased in the uh, under sur- similar sort of circumstances. And it was not such a good ride. And I um, the way we're looking at a pasamento now is uh, radically different than it was 15 years ago uh, uh, or 2004 when they started. Len uh, decided to put us all in a box. He said everything had to be affected by some level of a passamento one way or another. Um, and that's no longer the case. Uh, with, uh, under Rene's uh, leadership here, we are now putting a passamento where uh, it tastes best, where we think it works the best and uh, we're not putting it in other things. We used to attempt uh, for many years to make a Passamento Pinot Noir, for instance. And uh, we have decided that we just can't make that work to our satisfaction. Uh, We have some followers for it. Some of our customers are mad at us for not doing it. But, uh, uh, in fact, in uh, this coming year, we're going to release a non-Passamento Pinot Noir. Uh, So not everything necessarily will have a Passamento. Certainly all the ones we're best known for, Cab Franc, uh, the big Bordeaux reds will still maintain some part of it, and some wines will be a hundred percent a Passamento, but uh, but not everything anymore. That's for sure. Well, so that's ha- very I'm...
1: interesting because I I have tasted a number of uh, a pinos, and not necessarily from you, uh, you know, Burning Kiln and other wineries who have uh, have attempted that, and it is probably the worst grape for uh, a Passamento.
0: I, I remember talking to um, Andre Lipinski. I, I think. It may have happened off mic in our sit down with him where, you know, Big Head is another winery that has made quite a name for themselves with a passamento. But I remember tasting their portfolio when they were still working out of uh, Cornerstone and the whole portfolio being great. But there was this outlier where it's just like, what the hell is this? Uh, mm-hmm. and it, it was the, the Pinot Noir. And if I can give just a, a shameless, a shameless plug, I am looking forward to tasting your non a Pinot Noir because I know your vineyards produce great Pinot Noir because in 2021 you were kind enough to sell some to me that I turned into when pigs fly. And once again, thank you for uh, selling, me <laughs> selling me that fruit Fair for enough. the ADX Wine Company.
2: Yeah, and you know, I love that sort of collect, like things where we work together as a wine industry, sell grapes, use th- uh use other people's material because it also by tasting your wine. And s- there was a couple of other people where they sold some grapes, so I got to taste their wines and their version of our vineyards, and that's that's exciting for me to try. And, yeah, it was uh, go- divergence, right? Yeah, divergence did the another car- a uh, Pinot Noir Rosé, yeah. and there's some Viognier from another side. And you know what? The best thing about this is I didn't have to do any of the work for it. <laughs> I just got to try the wines.
0: Well, but I mean, that was a thing, though, where it was trial by fire, where if, if I'm talking about a big learning experience for for myself, and I know I've talked about quite a bit about it, at least through my ADX efforts, is like, I remember walking the vineyards with you in August. It looked like it was going to be another banner year in Niagara, and how quickly things can go to shit in Niagara, where... You know, we were looking for four tons of fruit. It looked like there were six on the vines. The rain came, and that got cut in half in the matter of weeks.
3: Yeah, and and to be fair, um, uh, there's a big hunk of Europe that uh, uh, things can turn to shit just as fast. So it's it's not just us, <laughs>
2: but we like to we are the loudest complainers. Yes, right? we like to, yeah. we're the
0: loudest complainers. Well, people, it, yeah.
3: people
1: hear us complain anyway. They don't hear Europe because they're too far away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and I'm so. I am happy to hear about, I, I think the whole thing about learning about a Passamento, I think is something that's that's great as well, because I think because of the uh, the early days of it, you know, Michael and I, when we were doing the setup here, we talked about our experience with some aged Passamento wines. And I think we'll probably get to maybe something a little bit more technical in a bit, but they tend to show not just concentration of flavors, but concentration of other chemistry that maybe isn't desirable. Things like volatile acidity is something that it becomes very transparent in at least the age to pass mental that Michael and I have experience with. Do you want to turn that into some sort of question, Michael? Pardon my rambling.
1: Well, yeah, Andre's been uh, rambling a bit here, and and I thought we would get into that a little later on, but why not why not bring it up now? And that's why we wanted to to put it on trial. Uh, Renee, Ed, I'm 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 assuming that you've gone back into the library. I'm assuming also uh, in this that Foreign Affair has a library um have you gone into some of the let's say 10 plus year old wines uh and noticed faults within them that you're like hmm, why are they there we,
3: we we have we've gone through and tasted a lot of our, our our older wines and again it comes down to this weird thing where some customers love those older wines and love those older amaroni styles too uh and in the first you know, a few years of our life as a winery, um, it has a lot to do with how they were dried, uh, how the grapes were dried and where they were dried. Um, uh, in, the, in the original versions of it was literally um, very much like if you're going to Italy in the 1950s and, uh, and looking at how they were drying grapes for Amarone, it wasn't any different. It was in a shed. In our case, uh, uh, we took the tractors out and literally and put a bunch of uh, boxes in there. So we didn't have as much control as we want. Um, so since then, the last uh, three vintages now, um, we've moved into using uh, a temperature-controlled chamber, um, and this allows us to do two things, and I'll let, I'll let Renee talk more about the technical thing, but the, the critical thing is we can have much more control. So we shorten the amount of time that we're drying. We still dry to the same level that, that we want, uh, but we're able to control much more of that uh, microbiological stuff you're, you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to tag on to that. When I started with a Passamento, you said it was a big flip of coin for me. When yeah. I thought about it, it's really, it's, it's a technical thing. You have to control your variables in winemaking. You have to control the risk factors uh, behind it. And so, you know, I'd learned to say making sparkling, it's extremely technical. There's all the things have to be in the right order to get it a great bottle of sparkling um i think similar with the passamento you have to control those variables you can control so we pick great clean fruit we dry it in an environment that is temperature humidity controlled uh with good airflow um and those things allowing us to do that uh gave us clean fruit coming into the winery not just off the vines also clean fruit coming into the winery and then clean winemaking so and then once again um drawing on past experience, you know, like high bricks wine for 27, 28 bricks for a pastamento. Uh, you know, you're talking that sweet ice wine zone. we're using I brought some of the you know, I used the thought of this as okay, it's like ice wine it's got it's got things that are not nice for yeasts, it's high sugar, so we're going to do um, we're going to treat it in a much nicer way. It's not just another red. So we're really processing that and thinking about and being very intentional about the use of uh, the winemaking process to make a wine that ends up clean. Um, we talked about a new vision for what a Passamento was. Um, for us, a, Passamento, a true Passamento was to be that around that 15% alcohol, uh, dry, big, bold wine. Yeah. So not, not pushing extremes. We didn't need to go to 18% or something crazy. I've, I've made port before. In Australia, it's much easier to just add the booze. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and, and I should point out, too, one of the things that changes over time is just each winemaker brings something different to their to their vision. Uh, L- Mr. Lipinski's got a very different way of making these Passamento wines uh, than Renee does. So that makes a huge difference, of course.
0: Michael, uh, while we've been listening to Renee and Ed talk about... You know, I, I think they're starting to build a good case for a passamento, where maybe you and I need to be a little more open-minded.
1: It's well, like- okay, so uh, here's where I'm going to say uh, it's it doesn't become something uh, exciting to me until I can see it aging gracefully. Uh, well, okay, again,
0: okay, but so, but, but let's... what
1: I what I would like to do here before we go any further. Is throw the gauntlet out to Ed and to to Renee to have us um at to the winery and we just pull out random years. Don't okay, Michael, taste them
0: guys. Okay, okay, Michael, uh, random Michael. years
1: and we taste the wines live.
0: Michael, Michael, I'm going to just full up say though that I don't think that that's going to be a fair test given what they've just said to us. I'm I, sorry, Ed and Renee, I'm going to be your attorney just for a quick second here. <laughs> um, Renee just took over the winemaking and they are both admitting that they've learned a lot from the past and there is a new philosophical direction I think what we're talking about is in maybe 5 years going down and retasting the 2019's and the 2020's but if we were to go there now we would still be tasting what might be the same philosophical approach from 5, 7, 10 years ago and you and I are just going to rehash the same stuff that we tasted in the past I don't think we're going to see the results from a change of philosophy for another five years
3: i agree with everything my attorney just said
0: yes i
1: i, I have <laughs> <am> to <laughs> well I, i'm glad you didn't pull a trump and just decide to uh Plead the ramble place. on about something else okay but you know what
0: let's let's talk about the wine that we have in front of us right now which is the 2020 dream you and i exchanged a couple of notes um, on messenger so ed and renee haven't seen them um, and I have to say, I'm quite impressed. Well, hold on, hold on, hold
1: on, hold on. I would like to know about this wine first. Okay.
0: Well, I already before we say anything. So it's yummy.
1: Uh, Renee, you Very said you good. took this uh, gla- uh, grape to glass. Tell us yeah. how it was made. What's what's the grape varieties? All that neat stuff. Nicely balanced. About it, and then uh, we will see if uh, what we're dealing with here. Good tannin.
2: Yeah. So I mean, we talked about 2020 being a benchmark year for many things. For red wine, it's a great benchmark year. <laughs> Um, it was the first year farming uh, the Crispino Vineyard as well as our, our home vineyard down uh, at, the, at the site. Um, so learning a lot about the vineyards, experiencing, seeing what they were grown as, how their weaknesses, their strengths. Um, obviously leaning back on a history of this. is This is one of our staples in our portfolio. Dream mm-hmm. is is something that you can get at the winery all the time. Yep. Um, it is a, it's a big Bordeaux blend. This one in particular is mainly Merlot. Um, oh, interesting. It was a good year of Merlot. So 50% Merlot, 52, uh, Cab Franc, 37, and then the rest made up Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, I'm going to give you a, a hint in here. There might be, and maybe I'll talk about this, but I'll talk about a Passamento. Um, there's so many decisions that go into a wine, whether it's the varietals that go into so the oak that's used in it, the, uh, the fermentation of the dryness, how, uh, when you pick it, um, a passamento is one of those. And that's how our new mentality goes into it. The passamento is one of those things. I almost think of it. We, we talk about using the use of new work. I can tell you that I put hundred percent new work in there. I didn't in this wine, but you know, like a passamento is, there's the 15 around the 15% mark, I think, yep. uh, passamento in here. And that that's just in one of the other components. I can also talk about the new oak French American oak that we used in there as well. So 15% um,
1: passemento, um which grapes or was it all grapes were passemento? Uh
2: we did do all grapes, but no, this particular wine is the cab franc. Okay. So that's 7% it's cab franc. Okay. Um and to be honest making this wine it was it was really making a wine that was about uh it, as we do with everything just finding that balance uh of all the components. Um, I diverge, but we have another brand that's a blended wine as well, the Temptress. And so we actually took that to a single vineyard last year as well. So Mm -hmm. this is a blended from different vineyards. And then I took Temptress and said, okay, let's do a Bordeaux blend, but let's really make it different by showing just the Crispino vineyard in it.
1: So Andre, what what did you want to say about this wine?
0: I am... um... I mean, this is one where we, we're talking about aging potential and whatnot, and I think there is some aging potential to this wine. Um The tannin is medium size, not too, too clunky on the palate, but I mean, I just opened this bottle right before the podcast, so it's been open for about a half an hour. It's drinking pretty damn easy right now. Um 2020, great hot dry year, so I imagine anything that was on the fruit when you were drying it is nothing that the winemaking team and, and that Renee had to worry about at the foreign affair. It's very nicely balanced and it doesn't taste like fake warm climate, which is, I think another thing that I've been critical of with my uh, view of a Pasamento is that it sucks the terroir out of the fruit. And I know, I imagine that uh, Ed and Renee will have something to say about that statement in a second. Um, in this case, it's still, I'm not 100% sure that this is like truly Niagara, but if you're okay. someone looking. Okay, at- hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Uh, it says Niagara on the bottle, my son.
3: I get that. Uh, uh, so it's from Niagara. I get now, that. It may not be a Niagara that you like and are, or, or protect. I'm, and I'm not saying you don't like it. I think you probably do like it. I do
0: like uh, it a lot. I care a bit.
3: Um, uh, but. It's definitely a Niagara wine. It may not be a style that is super common out there in the world yet, in in the world of Niagara. But um, it's definitely uh, uh, still got, I think, some of those uh, telltale cool climate uh, notes to it. And uh, the Apacimento portion in this one is quite small. It's only about 15% of this wine is made with the Apacimento fruit.
0: Well, let me call um, to let me call to the stand Michael Pinkus, Michael Pinkus, as my witness, and see if he will defend <laughs> my statement in any way, shape, or form. Now that I've defended you guys, there you okay. go.
1: So uh, let's start. Uh, We're what a passamento really is. It it is a and and take this for what it's worth. Um, it is a bastardization of terroir mm. and grapes. You are manipulating the grapes before you do anything. Um, you know, terroir oriented. That being said, granted, there's only 15% of a Passemento in here, so it's not uh, a full on uh, Passemento wine. Um, and then if, if I got my numbers correctly, it's 50% Merlot, 37% Cab Franc, 20, uh, 13% Cab Soap. I find this, this wine to be well balanced. Um, the thing that surprised the heck out of me is that. First of all, it's 2020, big vintage. I expected this wine to just hit me over the head with all kinds of fruit. And there is a really bright cherry seam that runs right through this. But the thing that really surprised me, uh, Renee, uh, was the acidity that Mm -hmm. you maintained in this wine, which is not uh, something that has been a hallmark of this wine in the past. It has been that. You know, ripe plum. Uh, you know, uh, juicy wine, but but has masked acidity in any way, shape, or form. And I guess, and I and I hope uh, this is you know what we're 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 gonna have going forward because you really have created a wine with such a nice acid theme that it does um, create that cool climate effect.
0: Holy smoke, Michael. I don't know if that was a backhanded compliment or what, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, and I think in, in 2020, and that was that was the challenge of 2020, is we were going into, it was a hot, dry year. It was all of those things and losing acidity, losing Niagara. I mean, we, we are blessed and cursed by having the Crispino Vineyard is up on the escarpment quite high. So mm-hmm. it has, has that cooler climate, even in a hotter year. Um, you know, and we we talk once again about uh the balance of acidity and I'm glad you picked up on that because that's one of the I think is the cool climate backbones of this wine. Is it mm-hmm. it is a big, bright, bright wine, and I hope I'm talking about aging. Uh for me the tannins tannins are a good mid middle. I like that description, but those those tannins are gonna have live forever, I think. Mm. This wine will be very interesting to see. I don't think they're gonna get You know, they will stay as they are because of that acidity, I hope. All right. That's my hope. That's my dreams. Okay. So,
0: so, so, Renee, in me trying to defend you to Michael and I guess to myself to a certain extent, I consider this wine, um, Perfectly acceptable as a drink now wine, where if someone were to drop the 30 bucks on it at the LCBO, which is what the price of the 2018 vintage is, even if it goes up to 32, 33, supply chain issues, blah, 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 you're still dealing with a really nice bottle of red wine. What do you think is the aging potential on this where we should revisit this and hopefully not find any
2: volatile acidity? Oh, I don't think you'll ever find any volatile acidity in this wine. I think um, it's on the record now. It is on the record now yeah 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 no 100 percent. i'm honestly you put what you put into the bottle what you get out of the bottle yeah is
1: is the... I, I i would like uh, uh everybody to know before renee comes up with his statement because he may want to retract it we do have uh we have a track record of winemakers saying things that they learn to regret because we once had brian schmidt on the podcast in mid-august of uh, 2021 saying this is a beautiful vintage it's going to be one of the best on record
2: Hey, I said hey. the same thing. <laughs> it, it was in twenty-one. September, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but did
1: somebody record
0: you, Renee? That's the question. Yeah.
3: It's always uh, the best vintage until it's in the until it's in the can, you know. Um, all right,
0: uh, all right, Renee. Let's get to your get to your aging sta- age statement and what we've just said has led me to the perfect segue to the next wine. So, Renee, how long how long do you think we should hold this where it'll hit like true peak, where it's not super old and leathery, and the tannin starts to fall off, and it drinks like silk
2: yeah I think to be honest five to seven and because of I think you you hit the nail on the head is it's a thirty dollar price point mm-hmm. people are gonna buy this drink it now and and for me that's that's what the wine was also designed to do yeah. like, drink it now open it enjoy it have it with friends to, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night tonight yeah um yeah so so I, not too long it's not designed to be a big gun
3: yeah i mean it's it's uh the only people who are going to actually have any of this wine in their in their basement uh in five to seven years is you know me renee and you two <laughs> uh and uh you know most
0: people are going to age it on the car ride home right I mean, that's, I mean, that's something we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast, but okay. That's
1: why um, I keep my Coravin right there in the glove compartment.
0: Oh, God, Michael. Mm. You, there's no way that you're spending money on wine that would even necessitate a Coravin. I know you better than that, and so do the listeners. Um, okay, so we talked about 2020, the good vintage. We talked about Brian Schmidt jinxing the 2021 vintage. Speaking of challenging vintages, we have the Apologetic Red 2019. 2019 was... Um, for the ADX wine company, we made our rough Pinot Noir that year. We actually named the wine rough because of the vintage conditions, uh, especially for Pinot Noir. This is not Pinot Noir. It's a Cab Cabernet blend. Uh, 14.4% alcohol, which is remarkable from a tough, cool vintage where it rained a lot. Um, How does your philosophy apply to dealing with a challenging vintage versus a not so challenging vintage like 2020? And we're dealing with 2019 now.
2: Ah, uh, that's I mean twenty nineteen was a tough year and I didn't make the base wine the I took over when these were in barrel, these wines from Barclay. And so twenty nineteen was challenging. I remember leaving behind some wines and being like, Oh God, okay, where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason we age this wine actually. We've only we only bottled it last year. We did extra aging on it. Uh so we did thirty one months aging. Uh, as opposed to you know 24, which was more traditional here. Uh, I just felt because it, it softened out the wine. You mentioned the rough as your descriptor for uh, wine, and that was what the vintage was. It was rough for a rough for all of us, as well as the wine. Uh, but I felt that extra barrel aging uh, and we we swapped it around uh, really so- helped to soften the wine and and uh, make it less rough. You know, we we some of those corners. Um, we also you know this does have a passamento in it. It's around the 30% mark. Uh, so less than the previous versions. The previous versions were 50%. That's kind yeah. of basically the rule. Yeah, it was
3: uh, in the previous. The first vintage for Apologetic was 2013. Um, and um, uh, uh, Mr. Crispino wanted, it, it, it fell into a very uh, formulaic sort of uh, production. It had to be 50% of Passamento. That was his, his goal for this wine. Um, and again, back to uh, uh, as we move forward, we want to try and make the, the be less formulaic in the way we do things. So this was just Rene abling, uh There were some good wines made in nineteen, not as much as we would want, perhaps, uh, but um, he was able to go through uh, the barrel cellar, uh, pick those barrels that he thought uh, uh, had some potential, and then lay them lay down for a little longer. Uh, like he said, that's for us. Thirty-one months is a very that's the longest barrel-aged wine we've ever done at uh, foreign affair and the, and the length of time in barrel again uh, 31 months
1: 31 months and the amount of papasamento
3: uh the mass passamento that was 32 yeah, 30 <laughs> yeah. percent yeah i have the number in front of me otherwise i wouldn't know it and uh, the great and the great varieties gentlemen Oh, the thirty-two percent was the Cabernet Franc, was the Passamento. So the Cabernet Franc portion of this was hundred uh, percent Passamento, and then the Cabernet Sauvignon portion, the sixty-eight percent, was Cab Sauve. and that was fresh crush.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. My notes on this wine, tasting it initially, like I'm, I'm hesitant with the Bordeaux varietals and, and varieties um, from the cooler vintages in Niagara, twenty nineteen. 2021. The great thing about this particular wine and the style is um, I think Len has Len Crispino tasted this wine? Well, I think he he probably has, though I haven't spoken to him in a while. So I I imagine this would be something he would be very happy with because tasting this and smelling it, it actually reminds me of young Amarone. And uh, I know Len would take that as a compliment. The high acids Mm. from the cool vintage of 2019 have held through the fruit notes are skewing a little bit more sour like sour cherry like this this reminds me of what young amaroni tastes like and this is something i am curious to see how it ages and this is one where it's vqa niagara peninsula as i said i'm, I'm critical of the style because i feel it, it sucks terroir out but i know that the philosophical approach of what len was doing was more homage than anything Mm-hmm. I think this is definitely on the right track for that.
3: Well, oh, thank you. Uh, uh, I am going to I am going to take uh, umbrage again about the sucking terroir out of Do things. It. I think we're, we it. are just at the uh, the cusp of figuring out uh, um, what uh, uh, I don't believe a, a passamento can necessarily strip uh, a terroir out of a wine. I think it simply changes it and and uh, uh, with multiple years under Rene, I think we're going to be able to start to notice a difference in vineyard. Uh, uh, we'll be able to notice the crispino vineyard from the Viroc vineyard, the vineyard down where we are uh, in terroir, uh, uh, even through a passamento. I think well done, a passamento simply concentrates flavors um, and it does shift them, of course, but that doesn't necessarily, I think, mean you, you're losing terroir uh, uh, from them at that time. And there, are, there are single vineyard uh, versions of uh, the old country in Amarone, uh, and I think those guys would also have an argument about
2: losing Terroir. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. <laughs> yeah, I'm not disagreeing with Ed. Uh, you know, it's only been three years working with uh, Passamonti, and this year's crop is still drying. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to pull it out next week. This time next week, I'll be covered in grapes. Mm. Uh, so, but but there is there is terroir I believe in everything, and that comes through from you know whether it's processing you know from the Pinot chardonnay you know the sparkling wine is a massively processed, and Indeed. we say it has terroir Indeed. yes it does it, it does because it is it is goes through so many different steps um, so yeah, I think it can show through I think we go back it goes back to our original steps of like not covering it with the wrong things and and when you don't have the process to be. Get a list of pure or clean product out the other end, and you start talking about VA other issues like that. Mm-hmm. That must terroir in any way. That's true. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. If you've got those in there, your terroir is masked. All if right, you, I you...
0: I call to the stand once again, Michael Binkis. <laughs> so
1: I've just been uh, jotting notes as uh, as everybody's been talking here. Um, and, uh, I, I still, Ed, Ed, you and I can, uh, can, uh, agree and disagree. We have many, many times in, in one of your past wineries about, uh, wines, but, uh, what we never, uh, disagreed with was what was a good wine. Hmm. I, at least I don't think. Holy uh, smoke, we,
0: Michael, people disagree
1: with you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Uh, but, uh, just, just so that everybody knows, I don't think the name has been mentioned and it's, it's nice to, uh, to mention it. Ed used to work at, uh. At uh, Lely with the uh, the great uh, Derek uh, Barnett, and um, we had many a conversation there about uh, about wines that uh, Derek had made, um, and uh, you know we would uh, we would agree on some things and disagree on others, but as I said, we never disagreed on what was a really good wine. Um, Apologetic red two thousand nineteen is a really good wine. Yes, it is. I will I will not take that away from from anything, whether it masks. Uh, terroir or not uh, is something we'll have to disagree on.
0: Uh, well, okay, okay, can, okay. Welcome I call to terroir. the I call to the stand at this point the devil, and this is the point where I'm about to check myself before I wreck myself. Um, wine doesn't exist without the manipulation of man. Full stop. You can be as low intervention natural as possible. And Michael, I think you and I have a sweet spot of the wines that we like, where. You know, you and I are both not a fan of skin contact white. We're not a fan of, you know, if we see an amphora on site at a winery, we're a little bit more skeptical. And I think on the other side, when we see something where we're seeing more manipulation happening, we're a little bit more skeptical of that. But you and I have both just said both of these wines are good. So, correct. So I'm I'm not not, 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 not talking
1: about the uh, I'm not going to start telling you about the uh, terroir of uh, the Niagara Peninsula. Well. Drinking ap- apothic red. What I will say is the the lovely plum sorry, cherry. Sorry, Michael. Michael,
0: with... okay, Michael. That was a Freudian slip. You said apothic. You meant apologetic. 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 Michael, you say sorry right now because you just mixed this wine up with apothic.
1: <laughs> well, maybe it had no.
0: Um,
1: Apologize. So it's not apothic like. Thankfully, <laughs> uh, it is a. It is apologetic ish. Then um i i do like the spices i like the plum the cherry the mocha the raspberry the juiciness of your the midweight tannins um i think the 31 months has given it uh, a a little bit of a, a really nice drinkability uh, i really like this wine whether i could taste that and say that it's niagara is another story the acidity is still is still decent so I would go cool. I would disagree with my podcast partner that it's um, a young Amarone. Uh, I think a young Amarone has got a lot, you know, more,
0: uh, more tannin uh, for
1: sure. More tannins uh, and is a lot richer uh, in flavor. Okay. Um, I
0: I retract my original, original uh, Amarone comparison, but it definitely is parallel to it in,
1: I think it's more parallel to a ripasso, a well-made ripasso.
0: Okay, I'll give you that.
1: Than it is to uh to an Amarone, um, and I and I think if if you maybe this is you know as they call ripasso baby Amarone, maybe this is a baby. Uh, Amarone, but this uh, based has of the 32% uh, Passamento in here. But it has uh, the, it has but structure it's, it's to still age. Still a very good wine. There's nothing. I not, I can't take that away from it.
0: This does have structure to age, but it's it's like you and I have both said many times on this podcast. I'm a little gun shy because of our experience with VA and faults in the wines that come out. But I am willing to give this a chance based on the new philosophical direction the foreign affairs says. So Renee, I'm going to throw this to you aging potential on apologetic this is a 69 nine dollar bottle of wine this is not something that most people I'm, i know that it's still going to be a large percentage that this is going to age for the car ride on the way home and definitely if this is a bottle that shows up at someone's christmas party or a very generous secret santa people will be happy to take this home and drink it but for the hardened snobs like michael and i how long are we holding on to this
2: that's a damn good question. Um, I think you you speak to what always holds the wine together for me is the acidity to it, the tannin structure. It's a fine tannins. I think fine tannins are going to come through with fine tannins at the end. Um, I always and it's got high alcohol, well, high alcohol, fourteen and a half percent, and a good in the good acidity. I think those hold it true to at least a, you know five, six to ten years potentially. We did do a lot of barrel aging too like said, intentionally soften it, make it a little less rough. Um, so, you know, that's, that's also one of the longest that I've pushed a wine for as well. Like, in yeah. yeah. in barrel, it was just one of those things. like, okay, let's see, see where we can go. We, we want to make this wine. Um, so that was part of the fun of making this wine as well for us. So, you know, I, I joke, it was like, sorry, we had to wait so long for it, but that's yeah. what it
3: was. <laughs> exactly. And uh, um. I'll go back to, a, I was at a wine tasting once many, many years ago with Chuck Wagner there of uh, uh, California and someone asked him about his wine that just got a 100-point score and he said, yes, but the new, the new style so fresh and enjoyable now, you know, do you think it'll age? And he, he said, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's good now and drinking now, then drink it now. Um, I do think it'll change over the next few years myself. Um, uh, but Aged wine is a very much a personal sort of thing. I had a ten-year-old uh, bottle of Niagara Syrah just the other day that I thought was uh, showing extremely well, very soft, and all the rest of it. Um, but that's not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, so uh, I think most people who buy this, very much like the uh, the Dream, in fact, will will be drinking it uh, sooner rather than later. But yeah, I would agree with uh, Renee. This might go uh, as much as ten years. I I've got some in my basement, uh, and I'm, I'll I'll get back to you later. I don't, I don't know
1: <laughs> all right yeah i think i have an old bottle of uh, of the original apologetic red which you said i think was 2013 am i correct ed that
3: is correct 13 yeah. was the first
1: so one of these days i'm gonna have to open that because my my opinion my thought was that it was going to age really really well and then um as i had learned i i found that they haven't and i've just kind of left it alone so um as we do when we're a little scared of a wine, which is I think is very funny if you think about it. We're scared to know what a wine's gonna taste like, and so we leave it alone, letting it age even further, probably you know, going down the toilet even more, uh, than if we just opened it bit the bullet and found out, yeah, we hit a we hit the sweet spot.
0: Your diplomacy yeah, yeah. knows no end, Michael, and how you uh use your descriptors. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, I, just, sorry I, I, sorry if I'm honest I apologize for that right here
0: okay, michael yeah. flip flip the bottle around and read the back I think that's your catchphrase at the bottom right above the uh volume
1: uh so you know i i the glasses are not oh wait I've got a flashlight here so
0: oh god this is even this is even this joke is even better because of this right now so thank so thank what you, is Michael. It? so where am I looking right on the back label. Right yep. above the alcohol description and the volume, it's in
1: L'apologie
0: white leather. No, it says not <laughs> sorry.
1: Oh, you're talking about the front. No, yeah, sorry, not sorry. Oh sorry not
0: sorry. Oh my god, sorry, not sorry. Sorry,
1: not sorry. Yeah, I talk that. about
0: talk about killing a joke. And I think on that point, this is a a good point where we can talk off. So, Renee, you've given us five and ten years as potential. Um, Um, aging potential for these two wines and uh, you know, hopefully five years from now Michael and I will still be at it so we've got a date penciled in to at least revisit the dream in five years from the excellent 2020 vintage Um, I want to thank you both for putting up with us being whatever (laughs) I don't
1: know
2: what the whatever
0: is, but all right.
1: and and the funny part is, I uh, I should point this out, so obviously we are an audio podcast Excuse me. And Ed has decided to keep his camera on and every so often it's not uh, his camera is not actually pointed
0: yeah, Ed's at the hand anything. talker at hand just talker
1: his hand and a fern. So yeah. uh you know between not, two ferns I'm, is Ed's hand. Yes, and between two ferns. As I as I've said to Andre a couple times as in our private messages, I just want to make sure I keep seeing that hand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're the worst, Michael. Like, you are actually the worst sometimes. Um, Thank you both so much for coming on and putting up with us. And thank you for letting us put a Passamento on trial. As Michael and I both said, both these wines are excellent drink now wines. We're both curious about the cellaring potential of them. But um, I'm really curious to see where the new philosophical direction of Foreign Affair is going. Because I was always a fan of the Foreign Affair wines from the beginning. Sort of felt out of love with them. Having experiences with Michael Seller, but I am convinced enough to revisit and have the devil's advocate on my shoulder to give these wines a second chance, and I think that's what uh, you guys were hoping that we would do in this podcast. Well,
2: thank you guys very much for uh, drinking our wine. Yeah, thank you, (laughs) and I I think you'll enjoy to see what's coming out more and more. uh, Mm Where we're going to definitely push it in different directions. Indeed, Michael,
0: Michael. Andre, Andre, um, Andre. Okay, I know that was a very positive podcast, and like obviously we have the the principles from the winery, but I have to admit I'm legitimately stunned at the quality of both of
1: these wines. I was really happy with the the
0: um, the wines. I was
1: happy with the acidity, which I have always found kind of lacking in Ontario. A passamento, uh, a Passamento. Um, and that's, that's always been the thing that has surprised me is because we do get such great acidity and to have it lacking in those wines has always been one of those head-scratching moments for me.
0: So we do have a, a standing date for five years from now. I think it is one thing that is definitely an improvement for some of the old Foreign Affair wines is that these are approachable right now. So if you buy either one of these wines and crush them now, I know $70 is a lot of money to ask for a drink now wine. But I do think the quality is there. That hurts me to hurts me to say that, given the fact that you and I have been so critical of this style. Um, the foreign affair and Corby are not paying us to say that. That's my no, 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 unvarnished we been, opinion.
1: We haven't been, been paid to say any of this. We we uh, uh, we we book our guests not based on um, uh, what we're being paid for. We book our guests based on things that we find interesting and hopefully what you'll find interesting as our, as our
0: listeners. All right. So I'm Andre Prue from at Andre wine review on social media. And, um, you help us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. We're heading to the new year. And you know what, Michael, I'm so happy that the technology gods rewarded me for the gong show that we had to deal with for the past few episodes of like forgetting microphones being sent to the basement of Roy Thompson hall you know, a thank you to Renee and Ed for actually bringing lapel mics and that's why they sounded so great. So thank you to Corby for making this podcast possible. I'd like to thank God and I'd like to thank my mom. I'd like to thank Henry. I'd like to thank Anya. Are you not going to start playing the music to play me out? No, I, I want to hear what you're thankful for. You oh, know, thankful we just come out you, of the for Thanksgiving some reason. And... Anyways, let's just uh let's take this thing away.
1: I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. I am thankful uh, for a glass of wine, uh, a nice cool evening, and uh, dinner, which is going to be on the table. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.